You're listening to the Mobcast Network. Welcome, my friends, to the Catacombs, the deep underground layer where we keep the really weird stuff at the cult movie cantina. I'm your Native American pop culture spirit guide, Scotty, and I'm joined by my co-host. Co-host. It's Drew. How's it going, buddy? It's good. I'm having some uh, peanut butter whiskey. So am I. Um, Before we get into anything else, you brought peanut butter whiskey. We had mentioned it on an episode of My Star Wars Life, so you definitely need to go listen to that. Yep, absolutely. And uh, it is delicious. It is divine. It's called Screwball. Yep, that's and it. And the reason I think it's interesting for this show, right, is because it's two things that you might not really think should go together that end up working really right, well. Right, right. And that's all I care about is things that work well. <laughs> right. I'm trying to figure out some kind of chocolate thing to put in this to make oh, it I've like got. To, I made some like uh, chocolate. Cup? I made literally chocolate milk. I, I don't do dairy, but I did almond milk. Right. And... Added a shot of that to it, and it was gone within seconds, but it was delightful. Oh, does it sound delightful? Yeah. You can check us out on our um, on our website at scottywhite.com and join the discussion of the Cult Movie Cantina. Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash cultmoviecantina. While you're sharing your Baby Yoda memes and trying to explain to people why Jeffrey Epstein didn't hang himself, why don't you stop by our Facebook group and say hi? We'd love to uh, help you and talk to you, and of course we know Epstein did, didn't kill himself. That's great. That was a good one. I like it. This is one of my favorites. <laughs> This week, we take a look at the 1995 horror film, Tales from the Crypt Presents Demon Knight. Uh, this is a piece of gold, by the way. <laughs> I just, can I start out by saying this movie? I have not seen it in years. I remember seeing it in theater. It came out in 95, you said? Right. So uh, I was a, a junior in high school. I remember seeing that film in the theater and loving it because there was a couple of boob shots in it. Just right. gratuitous. 90s. Like at the beginning, like like yeah. like the producers, like oh crap, we need boobs, and they put them in the beginning, like stacked them up right away. Right. I mean, just you knew what you're going to get. Yeah. That and John Larroquette. I was about to say, dude, I was so excited. I totally forgot about that. Like a hundred percent forgot so, he was even in it. So people may listen, in it and you know, I'm a huge. I go to a lot of cons, and like I collect autographs. That's kind of my thing, especially on cards. And I got real excited when you mentioned you want to do Demon Night because William Sadler's doing a show in Indianapolis this year. Oh, my God. So I'm sending the, he knows he's on Star Trek DS9. It's probably yeah. one of the best characters ever. But I'm sending this, and I found a production still, like a, like a, not a production still, but a, like a, like one, it was almost like a lobby car, but it was a handout, you know, for, for Demon Night, but of, of, of him as Baker. Uh, Holy Tan, smokes. So, and from, from the original production. So yeah. I'm going to get that signed too. Did you now? Are you are you going to the con? Or you have somebody up there that can cover you. I'm gonna get so uh, I, there are a bunch of services I've been doing the last year or so that I'll send my item into a reputable service and they'll they'll go do the. the Seriously, content. that's a real thing. Yeah, so yeah, it's a big, a huge thing, right? I just got. Uh, Why are we not doing a documentary on this? I don't know. <laughs> Seriously, like that's a crazy story. I just got or series. That'd be an incredible series. I just got um, from a service recently. I have a They Live poster that's from Shout Factory, so it's a They Live art poster. Oh, yeah, that that's great the, stuff. From, from the uh, uh, still book. And I sent it to them, and they got Carpenter signed it in Pennsylvania for me. Holy smokes. And then I got um, uh, Alan Hothwith, the guy who also composed They Live, yep. with him. So I got him and then uh, a couple other people. And then I'm taking it to Pensacon to get uh, Keith David to sign it. Yep. And so... and. 
if I can get uh oh Meg, what's her last name? The if I can get her signed up, then I should get be able to get a frame because you know Roddy Ray Piper's dead, so I can't get him. But I can get I can get close to his daughter for you, right? And then not quite the same, not the same. But I got that, and I got a uh, you know again my favorite movie is Prince of Darkness. So I, you know, so Alan did the music for Prince of Darkness. So yep. I got him, and uh, I got to send it off to get uh, Carpenter next time he does sign. But dude, that's they, they're going to hang in here. That's what in, in the new office. That all that stuff's going to hang in the new oh, office. Oh, that's beautiful. But yeah, so there's a service. So I, I, you know, so you just you know send off your item and. You know, you pay the the fee, whatever it is for them to sign, and there's it's usually a ten dollar fee for their service, which you know, you know, I'm, really, that's yeah, it. Yeah, so that seems fascinating to me. I, 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 the reason I I find that so interesting is because it seems like it's such a great story of of tracking down. Like you've got to track down because you know, there's a lot of us that like obscuro stuff, right? You know, it's like if I could get a Kurt Thomas autographed, uh, right? Okay, <laughs> Jim so, Cotta so poster. But, but, okay, so it's less dramatic than you think. So, so these people do do. What they do is they, they they hit all the cons that these folks are at. So it's not like they're going to, to their house. Yeah, but they've got to have brokers. They have to have they hire someone to go stand in line and get this autograph for them. Yeah, you know, or they do it themselves. Or they or or they'd make deals with the 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 agents who handle it. Like yeah. with Carpenter, Carpenter had they had they I saw pictures of how much stuff Carpenter signed for them, and they he's I guess he's because you know he gets I mean he he's getting his fee out of every one of these. Yeah. So if they make it convenient for him to go sit by himself for an hour with a small group and he he doesn't have to deal with the fans, he just goes and. Signs two hundred things, and uh, makes whatever he's getting out of that forty dollars, and <laughs> yeah, that's unreal. Right. So I mean, so that's they do a lot of bulk signings like that too. Oh, brilliant! And so, okay. and uh, you know, so they're doing. I think this group they should be going to the same con. I'd love to go to it, but it's in Indianapolis, and I, I only have so much money. I can only do so many cons. So no, look, I, I, gotta, I gotta focus on the ones that we can put the network at. So I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to. <clears throat> Figure out and justify uh, going to celebration. Go with me. It's I know, but I got to still. It's it's the cost of. It's just the cost of living. Just cost, write right? it off. Well, I got to figure out how to. I got to figure out how to tie it back in. Just do a freelance job. You got to just be <laughs> just like need one job down there. Yeah, just get one. Where is it in California this year? Yeah, it's in Anaheim. Anaheim. You got offices down there. Go visit your office. office yeah, business that's what I, I had to fly to L.A. Uh, <laughs> flew to Anaheim. Drove down to L.A. for a day. You're covering it for us. I just. No, I just have to figure out how to justify it. Well, I just, we'll talk later off air. <laughs> Welcome to tax breaks. Well, of course, I haven't. I with haven't, I haven't done. I haven't got tickets yet for it because they sold out so fast. So I've got to wait for the ticket broker on the second on the second end. I'm probably do it the first of the year, but. But so you got to do tickets because the other part's a lottery, right? To no, you got to do tickets anyway. It's all tickets, but no, you know, like the panels and stuff are all lottery. But yeah, but you got to do the tickets so you can, uh, and you have to do it through their ticket broker so they can change over the names. Oh, gotcha. So, but it shouldn't be a problem because it's Chicago. I mean, I got my ticket pretty easy, but I don't know anyone who who really wanted to go couldn't get tickets. Yeah. Just, you know, so it's an extra step. And it, so and people just gobble them up and then sit on them. And, right. Sit on yeah. them. think they're going to sell them with a premium, but you can't. So because once you, you sell them back to the company, they basically just give you an exchange and then they sell them for the same price. It's brilliant. just an exchange. It's, it's brilliant. And they're the way to keep down scalping. I don't, yeah, that's what I was about to say is I hate it when people do that. Right. Anyway. Uh, this week we looked at the 1995 horror film Tales from the Crypt Presents Demon Knight. We're going to play the trailer now. Universal Pictures is proud to present the motion picture directing debut of one of America's most talented and respected artists. Cut! Cut, 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 cut! Oh, hello, kitties. So glad you could join me. Your pal, the Crypt Keeper, has gone Hollywood in a big way. I'm directing my first feature film, 
care for a little shriek preview? <coughs> for my big scream premiere, I wanted lots of suspense. Uh -oh. Special effects. <coughs> sex. Yeah. Violence. The kind of thing you could really sink your teeth into. Hi! Frights! Camera! Action! Chase through the ages, a race against time. <laughs> the war between good and evil. Come on out, everybody! It's time to play! And the final battle between man. <gasps> I'm sorry. And demon. I'm not gonna hurt you. I lied. It stars Billy Zane from Dead Cow. William Sadler from Die Hard 2, and Jada Pinkett from Menace to Society. Ooh, I love those titles. And you'll love Demon Knight. The hair! The demons are here! And ladies, if you think Demon Knight is too gross and yucky... Whoa! Thank you! <laughs> And that was Demon Knight. So Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, long title, came out in 1995, came out January 13th, 1995. January, oh, so they didn't have Friday. a lot of faith in that movie. Well, they, No, well, they they jumped on the the Friday the 13th oh, horror gotcha. film. So, you know, yep. Horror films do well on, on 13th yep. of Fridays, and they yep. do well on Halloween. So. so I don't think it was a, I think it was the earliest in the year where they could like, if it bombs, we we have the January excuse, but if yep. it does well, it's a January win, and it, and was, and, works, and it was yeah. a January win for them. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, directed by Ernest R. Dickinson, who is known for uh, he's directed Juice, did a lot of episodes of The Wire, Treme, Walking Dead, a bunch of other TV stuff. But most importantly, he's the cinematographer for Malcolm X, Eddie Murphy's Raw. Yeah, he's epic. He's like a legend. If you look at his right. credits for for being a DP, yeah, he is. He's a legend. But his TV credits are—I mean, he has a ton of yeah, directorial he, credits. He, he works. He works a lot, especially episodic. He also has an interesting con connection to to this genre because he directed about four episodes of Tales from the Dark Side. Oh yeah, which is great. Which is great. So I thought that was good. <clears throat> so the writers of this are Ethan Reif and uh, Cyrus Voris, and they're a writing team that's been together for a very very long time. They're famous for um, Brimstone, which was on USA. Um, they created Kung Fu Panda. They wrote Robin Hood 2010 with... Um, oh, yeah, with the, uh, what's his face? Russell Crowe. Russell Crow, uh, yeah. Ridley Scott directed it. Uh, and it was also written by Mark Bishop. We have a lot about the story about, about this, so I'll get into that when we get into that part of the thing. Um, cinematography was by um, Rick Boda, and he did uh, House on Haunted Hill. He was a cinematographer for House on Haunted Hill. And again, he did a lot. Of, he's done a lot of TV. Yeah, he's a big time TV guy. Uh, editor was Stephen Lovejoy, who his feature film credits. The only one I could find for him that he was the primary editor was Born in East L.A. Oh, that's actually a pretty popular movie. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. And uh, he he as well has done a lot of television. Um, it stars Billy Zane as the Collector, William Sadler as Baker, um, uh, Breaker. Excuse me, Breaker, <laughs> Breaker. It's Jada spelled Pink weird, though. Yeah, it's B-R-A-Y-K-E-R. -E yeah. Jada Bink uh, Pinkett, before she was Smith, as Geraldine. C.C.H. Pounder as Irene. Dick Miller as Uncle Willie. Thomas Hayden Church as Roach. Charles Fleischer as Wally. 
Yeah, it's funny to see uh, Dick Miller in there, and I mean, he's basically almost the same character, sober, uh, in uh, to me in Gremlins. But I, mean, I think Dick Miller's always Dick Miller. Right, he's always Dick Miller. I mean, yeah. he's such a legend. Dick Miller's done a million films. He's the documentary is basically that guy you know in movies, or you've seen a movie yep. or something like that. And I, yep. It's a really good documentary. I highly recommend it. And if you don't know Dick Miller, IMDb, I mean, you're like, oh yeah, I've seen Dick Miller. Yeah, he is definitely one of those faces. Of, he's one of those faces you're like, oh, I know that guy, but you may not know. Uh, and you'll know all the movies he's in. You just may not realize, or you may have forgotten. Not in a negative way, just a reality way. Uh, the cast in this, if we could talk about it, is, is... Sure. So, you know, I try not to ever approach any of these movies with nostalgia in mind. I try and kind of just go to everything I can very cleanly. And the cast in this... Uh, I knew Billy Sadler was in it, and I knew Bill, and I remember Billy Zane. And I'll talk about the performances once we get into it. But the cast—I forgot Jada Pinkett Smith. I forgot CCH Pounder. I forgot Dick Miller. I forgot Lowell. I'm sorry, Thomas Hayden Church. Um, and once we were into it, I just thought this casting was incredibly well done. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, seeing these people again—it was just fun. They were just fun people. <laughs> Now, Brenda Bake, who played Cordelia. Yeah, I forgot about her, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, another one of those people, you may not know their name, but you've seen her around for sure. Right, right. And I remember now being a kid seeing this, a junior, like I said, in high school, and I just remember finding her so hot. I just thought she was just the hottest thing in the world. Right. But she's not particularly like, you know, she's not, she's she's who she is. Like, right. she's not like, she was 90s hot. Like, that was her thing. I don't have to justify that statement. Um <laughs> I didn't buy her a Peloton bike. Um, <laughs> yeah, I went Side there. note, have you seen the Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds response? What a genius. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Dude's a genius. I love you, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, the cast in this is what really what really was a very refreshing feeling going into watching the movie. And they worked so well together. They did. They it really, really it, the chemistry was amazing. It was amazing. It was amazing. It re- um, I watched the kind of the 20th anniversary retrospective or whatever that was on the the Blu-ray for this, and uh, they were talking about Billy Zane's performance, and they said that the the rumor was that his performance in Demonite was gotten the villain part in Titanic, and I'm like, I totally see that. I oh, 100 percent. Totally see that. A hundred percent. Also, the first movie that Billy Zane's bald in because yep. he was bald anyway, and so yep. he showed up on set and was like, uh, with all these hair pieces, and it's like, which ones do you want? It's like, do you mind just being bald? And went, no, and so that's how we got bald Billy Zane. Which is, not everyone can pull off bald. He can pull off bald. Oh, yeah. Well, while, while watching it this morning, so I woke up, uh, I I watched Demon Knight at 6.50 this morning because <laughs> I, I was in pain and I was like, I'm just going to watch Demon Knight. And so I set up my Shutter account and I watched Demon Knight and my wife walks in about 7.30 and sees Billy Zane. She's like, oh, God, Billy Zane. I don't, my wife is not one of those people that just gushes about all the time. She right. doesn't. But Billy Zane in Demon Knight was like, she was, she was about He looks that. cool. I mean, like. He's brilliant. I mean. Is the whole the the duster and the hat? He's brilliant in this movie. This is amazing. It's actually my favorite Billy Zane role of all time. Mine too. And it's because he, I think he, I don't know. You've seen the behind the scenes. I don't want to take you away from that section, but I believe he just went off the rails. He took that character, and it's a beautiful testament to acting. I feel like he took that character and said, "He's mine. Here you go." Uh, hold my beer, and he did his own thing. And and it's, it's also a, a statement for Ernest Dickinson, who allowed him to do that. Oh, 100 percent. You know, who you know knew what he's got with him, and just let so, him. So, so uh, inside baseball, sometimes you can see this. If you see a wider frame on a lot of shots, it's because they it is improv. You don't want to do a close up on improv. Right, you right. don't. You can't follow them. And if you notice, there's a lot of wide right, frames of, of Billy. Of, 
because you know they're letting him do his thing. I mean, good for he made. I mean, that character is almost it isn't almost for me is iconic. Right. It influenced me. I found myself realizing that I that that work in '95 influenced my brain as a as a young person growing up and then even my comedy timing like there's lines out of that i said all the way through high school and college right it's ridiculous i i i had misremembered when it came out i thought it was later i didn't realize it was i didn't either i saw it in theaters and i'm like and i'm really good about i can't remember every movie i've seen but i'm really good like if i if i you know i know a movie of like about where it was about who i was hanging out with right saying with it i saw demon night in the theaters but i'm like January thirteenth, two thousand, you know, nineteen ninety five. I was a senior in high school, and I think I was driving, but I don't think my folks let me drive to Mobile, so I had to ride with somebody. I'm trying to think, and now I'm going to go. Got to go through my friends who will not remember because they don't have the weird memory that I do. Right, I don't have when, that memory. When did we see Demon Knight? Like, I just it? remember seeing it in the theater. I saw it in the theaters, yeah. and I kept thinking I saw it much later, but I was really surprised when I, that must have been Bordello of Blood. I, I knew I saw that one in theaters too, but I swore I saw both of them. I just thought it was later. <clears throat> You ready to get into this? Yes, sir. So we're going into the story of this. On a dark desert highway, cool wind in my hair. Oh, my God. The warm smell of car crashes rising up through the air. Up ahead in the distance, there was a shimmering light. An old church turned into a hotel. I had to stop for the night. <clears throat> Sorry. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> that was well done. <laughs> I, uh, Thank uh, you. Can I, can, that opening sequence. I almost did the whole thing. <laughs> I had. A, <laughs> that's brilliant. I had a. I had a very tough time. Uh, I had watching this movie again. I can always find some zingers to throw in it. Right. I had a very tough time finding zingers to throw in. They're there, but I just didn't feel right about it because there's so many great bits. Right. So this is a personal zinger. So it's back towards me. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. I love title sequences. So. In the process of this, as we're driving down the road and it's playing Hey Man, Nice Shot, right. in my mind, that's one of the greatest openings of all time. Like when I'm a younger guy, mm-hmm. that was a major. And then seeing it again, I was like, oh, that's, you know, it's poor man's process. Now that I know movie magic, like, oh, cool, look, they've just got some lights behind them and they're, and they're shaking the car, you know. <laughs> now I'm just kind of like, oh, it was, it's good. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I... um. But I should have said this at the beginning of this. This and I, but okay. So, this is a Tales from the Crypt film, sort of. Um, I learned a lot about it, and we'll talk about that later. In the, after we talk about the, the story itself, but um, so being a Tales from the Crypt film, and there has an uh, a, it's bookended by Tales from the Crypt stuff. So we have the Crypt Keeper, who is fake directing a movie, right. a horror film. It's a right. very much creep show with. John Larkin. It's cute and it's funny. And it's it is what it is. Um, I'm not here to discuss that. I'm gonna just straight up. I, it, it, go watch it if you enjoy that. That's fine for me. It the movie doesn't start until the movie starts. And and I I understand your point. The only for me the only magic was having not looked at a Tales from the Crypt opening. I didn't watch. Didn't they remake it recently or they re redid something? I don't know, not Tales. I know they did... Um, anyway, whatever it was, I hadn't looked at a Tales... Sean wants to bring Tales back. I thought so. I yeah. Maybe but so. they ended up doing Creepshow. Creepshow's on Shutter. That's right. I have not gone back and watched uh, the opening from Tales. So there was an extreme amount of uh, childlike nostalgia that came out of it for 100%. me. 100%. I- and all it did was set the mood for how the schlock that we were going to see. Right. 
it's when I say schlock, I do not. There's not a negative. <clears throat> schlock is army of uh, darkness. Schlock. I, I like, will say this though, and the reason why I don't want then, uh, this movie is too good for that. I agree, hundred percent. Bordello Blood, it fits better in. Right. This movie is too good for that. Right. And it's a shame as we go through when we, uh, well, you, the history of this is going to be. We'll oh, I can't you, wait. Yeah, it will blow your mind. I'm just anyway. Where was we? Meet Frank Breaker. He's not having a good day. He's on the run from some cowboy-looking fellow who crashes his car, causing Breaker to flee and try to steal another car. That doesn't work. Breaker meets Uncle Willie, who takes him to this decommissioned church that has been turned into a boarding house. The place is owned by Irene, who lets him stay. We also meet the cast of wacky folks who live here. You have Cordelia, a prostitute. Wally, not to be confused with Willie, who is a postal clerk and totally into Irene. Oh, totally into Cordelia. And then there's Geraldine, who was uh, on work release, and Irene took her in. Normally, Irene doesn't take in strangers, but Breaker has wide of cash changes her mind, and she tells Geraldine to fix him up some grub. So we have this dramatic car, you know, opening scene of you know Breaker in the car, yep. driving his, looking at his hand with these weird stars on it that are right. that are totally stolen from Werewolf the TV show. <laughs> uh, somebody on this movie is connected to Werewolf the TV show. Yeah, uh, somebody worked on. And the, I meant to tell you. It was like one episode. Yeah, worked on one episode. I couldn't. I, maybe I looked it was at a them. DP. Maybe it was the DP. Maybe it was the DP. Yeah. Maybe I, I looked on it. I meant a, to tell you that. Sorry. I almost put it in my notes and I forgot to. Um, the car is crashed by Billy Zane, uh, collector. Breaker goes on the run. He ends up at this. Uh, it's a bar and grill, or what I think it was. I think it's just a bar. And he's breaking into. He's using yeah. his switchblade to try to lock pit, which I don't know works, but, eh, but <laughs> whatever. You know, he stopped by this little boy, and then he's on the run. That's when he meets Willie, who's uh, drunk, and they they share a little alcohol, and then he takes him to the boarding house. Um, inside, we meet um, all the really wacky character, the wacky people who live here. Most importantly, Geraldine, who is supposed to be cleaning this, the oven and is just doing... Did you... Like, they were really... Like, her life must have... Like, I understand she's work uh, work release or whatever it is. Like, she was in jail. They, they right, make a note right. of that later on. But, man, everybody in the place treats her like... It's almost like a Cinderella moment. Right, right. And it's like, they all treat her like SHIT double hockey sticks. I don't... I, I think Irene's hard on her because I think Irene wants her to do better. I think she's the... I don't think she's like the... the Stepmother, right? I don't think she's wicked. No, but she's, she's a wicked. hard ass. But she's—I think she's a hard. But I think right. she'd be a hard ass to anybody. I think yeah. that's, you know, I, I think that's Irene, and and uh, Cordelia tried to get her sheets, but there's you know couldn't get the stains out because you know prostitute joke, right? <laughs> so there. Oh, and then then she makes a then it's God guacamole is tough to get out. Or something. It's like <laughs> what? That's brilliant. And then, and then you're wondering. Maybe it really was guacamole. Yeah, it's so good. Like I love, I, but see that's what I mean by like those little beats. Those little beats are character moments. Oh yeah, amazing. And they're all the way through the entire movie. Oh yeah, it's just fantastic. Uh, continuing on. Meanwhile, Sheriff Tupper and his deputy uh, Bob are investigating the crash where they see a cowboy-looking fellow, who we're just going to call the collector because that's how he's credited. See how that works. Uh, the collector co uh, convinces the law enforcement that Breaker has stole something and he's looking for it. They get word that Breaker may be boarding at the boarding house, and so they hightail it there. Irene made a phone call to because he was uh, she was suspicious of Breaker. Uh, they arrive, and well, it doesn't go well. Breaker is in possession of a rare artifact, and he's not going to give that up. He tries to take Geraldine hostage, but that doesn't go well because, as the collector says, he doesn't have it in to hurt him. Well, he doesn't. 
Breaker's taken into custody. His room is searched. And then it's Uncle Wheelie who saw Breaker stowed under the table. It's a large-looking key thing with a bottle in the middle full of goo. The collector almost gets the item, but the sheriff got, got questions since both cars were stolen and needs to sort this out. So the collector comes clean and punches his fist through the sheriff's face. Then punches Breaker with the sheriff's head still attached to it. Can we cut in quite literally, <laughs> fuck your own face right here, because that's what happened. Oh, was, Breaker uses his key to drive the collector out of the church. So, you know, Breaker, uh, the collector and the sheriff comes in, and they're, and they're looking for this really interesting key, and the moment where it, it goes, it's almost not as bad, it's not as dramatic as in like From Dust to Dawn, where you realize it's a different kind of movie. Right. Because we knew what we were getting into. Exactly. But it's very different because watching it for the first time, you're like, okay, what's going? Because I'm Billy Bob, I mean, Billy yep. Zane's looking for this thing, and so I'm like, all right, you know, William Shatter's stolen it. I'm like, oh, and the reverse happens. Oh, yeah. oh, this is crazy. Oh, this dude's bad, bad. <laughs> right. Oh, he is, just punched through a guy's face and then tears his head off and then punches. William Sadler with the head. It's amazing. It's absolutely... I've never seen that done before. No, and it's not that it's great, uh, like, visual... No, it's... But it's it's good enough to make it fun, and that's the biggest thing you got to take away. That's the first big uh, FX bit we get. Right. Right? Practical... There's a lot of practical... There's no CG in this as far as... No, no, it's it's all practical. Visual effects, but no CG. Yeah, it's, it's all practical. So it's all practical effects, and it's the first one, and you're like, what? It's so... Brilliant! It's again, it's schlock in the right way. It's right. clearly done with intent. It, it totally is. It, it, I mean, and it, it sets it up what we're going to get in in such a great way. It's Absolutely. A, and um, I'm just excited about it. Oh, I was in heaven. Uh, so uh, Breaker uses the key, touches uh, touches the collector's face. It fry, you know, burns him, and he jumps out of the window. Which pisses him off and gives us the greatest quote ever yes. that I'm going to play now. Humans! You're not worth the flesh you're printed on! Fuck this cowboy shit! You fucking hold dunk, hold dunk, well then there, motherfuckers! All you have to do is give me the goddamn key! And we could get on with our lives! Alright, this property is hereby... Damn. If you don't, if you don't realize, like seriously, I that line and a series of those lines just travel with me. So Billy Zane's coming to Pensacon, and I really want to get him signed a Demon Knight poster, and I really want him to quote, oh, "Fuck this cowboy shit." Oh my god, I I, just I hope wish. he does. I was like, do I you just, mind to fuck this cow, please, for me? Uh, that I, entire sequence it's, is gold. I was, oh. <laughs> And I, I just feel like there's, I, I guarantee you, if we could, if, if we ever had the chance to, to interview Ernest, um, just to ask him, like, how much of that was you and how much of that do you let him go? I, I guarantee you, if he oh. was being honest, oh, yeah. 90% of it's him letting him go. Oh, it has to be. Like Billy Zane bending down to, oh, I'll let you get to the. Right, no problem. So, um, so get this, the collector's a demon and he needs the key. And he's going to summon demons by seeding the earth with some awesome glow stick blood. Because that's what it is. The inside it's of a glow stick. It's gold. <laughs> Crazy weird demons start crawling out of the ground. And so Breaker has to use liquid in his key. Which turns out to be blood. Breaker uses blood from the artifact to protect the building and tell the group that they must wait until uh, wait out the night. Unable to get in, the collector uses psychic powers to seduce and possess Cordelia. Cordelia kills Wally. And cri- very gruesome scene. And cripples Irene before Breaker kills her. 
The group attempts to escape through an old mine tunnel under the building where Geraldine finds uh, the boy named Danny who was uh, watching breakers break, break into his dad's car. Um, uh, hiding the other townsfolk under demon possession, drive them back to the church so they can't escape. The residents demand an explanation, so Breaker reluctantly tells them the story of the key artifact. Following the creation of the Earth by God, demons use seven keys to focus their powers on of the cosmos into their hands. When discovered, God, God created light, which scattered the demons across the key. A lot of exposition, and the keys across the universe. The artifact that Breaker holds is the last key need, needed to reclaim power and to protect it. God had a thief named Zachariah uh, fill it with the blood of Jesus Christ. The guardians of the key, immortal, while holding it, have passed on and refilling it with their own blood when they die. Breaker received the key from his commanding officer during World War One. Danny disappears and Geraldine uh, rallies everyone to look for him, during which Roach sneaks the key out uh, of Breaker's satchel. There's a lot going on here. Uh, can we talk? Uh, oh, we can talk whatever. Yeah, I, I want to jump in. I, I, had re- I remembered the, the blood. The, the, right. It's the blood of Christ, and that's very biblical. Right. I mean, there's this whole big thing. And I was like, that's brilliant. Watching it now even more as a... As a, as, a, as a matured adult rewatching it and going mm. like, God bless, that's a genius idea, right? It's not that it's the greatest thing ever, but it's just a really clever thing. Right. And it's just passed down. The blood is, which is very Catholic and very mm-hmm. religious in that sense. One of the things that was fascinating to me, though, is that, so the idea is, is that the earth ex- or the, 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 universe existed there were creatures in the universe that clearly either have space travel or it doesn't really matter that, that concept is it gets very esoteric right, right. about it because they're talking about they're, they're scattered across the universe and they finally found the last one on earth right because god does that when he decides to create a universe right then when they do talk about christ what i f- thought was so fascinating is they don't actually mention christ right they say a guy that died i mean we know but right. they say a guy that died on the cross right right and they tease it up. They what they don't mention is that they basically that Jesus is the Son of God. Kind of all modern right. Christianity. They leave it all out, and so it's almost into this cabal space. It's really like so densely powerful. I'm way reading into it, but I just was I was like, man, the backstory on this alone, right? Like I want a prequel. And and they did it in like a minute. They did, and they. I mean, it's they gave super you, fast. It's, yep. and and you got everything you needed. Most of it's done in like silent flashback while they're yep. just trying to tell the story, and you see Sakurai, you know, the demons trying to get the key, and Sakurai. Gra- I mean, it's just yep, perfect. It, it's, it seriously is. It's really well made, and so I really, really super dug it. Mister Roach, what have you got there? I want out of here, and I'm looking to cut a deal. Well, let's talk about. It. How do I know you ain't gonna kill me? You have my word. I mean, frankly, we've been counting on you, haven't we? The world needs more people like you, Mr. Roach. Thank you. You're welcome. Of course, you don't mind if we kill the others, do you? Hey, if it makes you feel good, do it. If it makes you feel good, do it. Exactly. <laughs> first things first, of course. The blood seal. Listen, uh, on a personal note, be sure and kill Breaker. He's a bossy asshole. Isn't he, though? Thank you. That's it? Ooh, that's it. You know, you ain't such a bad fella. You ain't so bad yourself. Oh, uh, pleasure doing business with you, Mr. Roach. 
Well, you know this hell on earth business? Big fucking deal. I got hemorrhoids. Via con Dios. And a via con Diablos to you too, sir. Oh, Roach, there's just one more thing I forgot to mention. I lied. <laughs> Oh poor Roach, who who doesn't like Breaker? They've had conflict through the whole the whole movie because he's a tough guy. He's the the macho guy, and and he's not going to be told to do anything. He wears a fishnet shirt, right? He's like, I'm not, I, I'm I'm the alpha, whatever. And clearly, Breaker's like, no, there's shit going on, and you've got to pay attention to us. And look, look, you know. And so when he steals the key, he gives it to, to um, uh, Billy Zane to the collector. And I love what what he does was when he gets him to wipe up the blood, but he, Billy Zane opens his mouth and the sponge the spon- comes out. Oh, it's so gold. And so, improvised moment. Yep, has improv- to be. Improv- you know, Billy Zane walked by, you know, uh, uh, props and was like, can I get a clean sponge yep. and rolled it up in his mouth and yep. popped right out. It's gold. Oh, oh it's gold. And it's so funny genius. and it's quirky and it makes you really like Billy Zane <laughs> right. a lot. Like, Which like, you should. Right. You should like the devil. The point of the devil is that you like the, the devil. devil. right? The devil's right. cool. He's got all the fun stuff and Billy Zane is fun <laughs> the entire damn time. Uh, everyone else is hiding in the attic. During In the church attic, uh, Irene and Bob discovered that Wally was planning to attack the post office because he was going postal. He's also in love. He very much enjoyed Love and Cordelia. He's also stealing mail. That's why he got fired in the movie. He, was, he said, I was stealing mail. I wasn't stealing mail. They fall attic full of mail. Right. Uh, the collector soon possesses Uncle Willie, who attacks the others while uh, baiting Willie. Roach makes a deal with the collector to trade the, his life for the key. But the collector betrays and kills him soon after uh, Roach walks away. Breaker retrieves the key in, in the battle, and Irene and Bob sacrifice themselves to stop the remaining minions in the attic. The collector brainwashes Danny, who mortally wounds Breaker, before Jerline kills him. As he dies, Breaker initiates Jerline as a guardian of the key, deactivating uh, all, all the blood seals that were on his hand, transferring to her. Jerline confronts the collector, uh, spits blood from, uh, from the key into his face, causing him to revert to his actual demon form. For, for before being destroyed. Uh, at dawn, Geraldine fulfills the key with break, Breaker's blood and boards a bus with her cat, seeing the door behind them. Down the road, the bus stop picks up a mysterious stranger who declines to get on, the uh, stating he'll catch the next one because Danny sealed the door. Um, dressed identically to his predecessor and carrying the same suitcase, Geraldine realizes he's the next collector. After exchanging a glance and passing, the new collector begins falling on foot, whistling the theme song. From Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, it's gold. So Danny upstairs uh, is insane. That whole little, or whatever, that sequence of the, Danny's a little boy, right? Yeah, Danny's a little boy turns into the monster. Yeah, I mean, that's just an insanely crazy sequence. And then something brilliant happens. And this is the little, I mean, there's, all throughout the whole film, Billy Zane, we're going to say this a million times, Billy Zane, oh, Billy Zane. But there's a sequence that occurs that is, I think, brilliant horror movie writing where... You haven't seen her in a while, like, and you're, now the camera or perspective of the film changes. We're on Billy Zane. Right. Uh, Sadler is dead, more or less. A little Danny is gone. Billy Zane makes his way in, and he finds her, and she is covered in blood, head to toe. Right. And he, she, he tries to grab her, and suddenly he's being burned because she is covered in the blood of Christ, right, basically. Right. And it turns into the movie literally shifts and becomes almost to me notes of a. Um, an abusive relationship film right. where he is like, like I mean, the way he treats her is like in a very aggressive right. me too. He 
total shit show. He grabs her and throws her abusively into a shower and literally washes the blood off of her. Right. It's and then that's what sets up for her the entire time she's kept her mouth closed. But the, the, the best thing about this, though, because I mean, I didn't. This was, wasn't in the notes, but I'll we'll go back. He has a psychic ability, and he he tempts everybody. Right. And in the novelization, he actually tempted Char, uh, uh, Charles Fleischer's character uh, Wally and Irene. Um, oh wow! But they, they didn't. Get, they got cut. Yeah. There was also flying demons in the in the, the novelization, but also got cut for a wow. reason. And so, so clearly, at the end of it, you know, Geraldine, Irene, or, or Wally could have all been chosen because they they resisted the temptation. Right. They just she was just the survivor. That's how it worked out. And so, during the temptation, uh, the uh, the collector kind of falls for Geraldine. Is really into her. Right. And so now he's trying to seduce her, and there's this great, you know, he. He's washed her off. He's. I like how he captured her in the shower. With shower it's curtain really and brilliant. Washes her out, and then he's dancing with her and yep. saying, "Look, you know, we can we can make this work. You know, uh, you know, you're a protector now. I'm a. I'm the. We we'll make it. It'll be crazy marriage. But it, and it's so this dance they do. Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's, and lit well. And oh just, yeah. Uh, and there's weird little there's weird little moments throughout the entire piece of his psychic abilities that the way Billy Zane. The way his voice, the timbre of his voice, it's just like, hey, I, I, I can believe in you. I want to be your friend. I'm here to help you. No, sure. I mean, those people over there are terrible, but me, no. And it's, it's like, you don't have to be a demon. No, you don't have to be yeah. like, you can be like me. It'll, yeah. be, it'll work out. It'll be great. Oh, that word whore. I hate that. You know, like, he, the way they do it is so, it, Billy Zane, again, his performance is so damn good, it's mind-blowing. Right. Um. I like I like this I like his temptation of, of Willie too when he's at the you know because you know he hadn't touched a drink and he's trying to so he's sober up for this moment while yeah. this is going on and he really wants a drink and so he you know the collector shows up and he's got like a topless women and yeah. I mean, a bar just, and he's yeah. like hey would you like a big hot one and he's passing in the drink and, it's and the drink has a the the drink was. I don't remember what it was now. I should have written it down. But like it had a specific name. Like right. they were they were they were gagging the drink, like making a joke out of it. Like uh, this is the one for the road or something like that to some effect. And it was just one of those beats of like look another little nuanced moment. In fact, there's a great bit from Billy Zane where he is finally going to get Willie to take the drink, and he has a cigar in his mouth, and it looks like he's the dude from Cocktail. It has that sort of vibe. Oh to yeah, it. yeah, totally. And then Billy Zane has a cigar and he just turns and spits it and it shoots straight out of his mouth. Like it's not campily done. It's not, he didn't have to make a raspberry sound. It like just shoots out of his mouth and he's like, and he, and you see his face change to a little more serious. It's just, it's just so nuanced and, and, and so just, it's just such a fantastically fun horror film. Uh, it's the kind of horror movie that I want to watch over and over again just because I enjoy the, the gags out of it. And certainly from the performance side of things, it weighs much heavier. And then, the, then it's shot well. I mean, if I'm going to talk on the technical side of things, i got to bring into the fact that I think it's shot well, I think it's edited well, I think it's sound mixing is good. There's very little, I mean, it's a big, not big budget, but it was a it was a proper budget and it was produced by a right studio. Um, and, it, and it came across, uh, saw, and again, the biggest takeaway of the whole piece is the performances being so dadgum good from every single person involved. Solid, solid, solid work. Shove this one down, Uncle Willie. Long, hard one. 
Nothing gets you fucked up fast. Am I right, guys? There it is. Long, long hard ones. Long, long. Uh, suck this down, <laughs> Willie. Long hard one. Long hard one. That's what it was. That's what. Sorry, it took me a second to find it. Yeah. I should have wrote it down, but I didn't. Um, so minus. So in my research. Uh, actually, I'll save it. Hold on. Let's see. There's there's a couple alternative takes in this. So in the sci-fi version of this, uh, the scene where Uncle Willie is tricked by the collector, he's uh, it's altered so the girls are wearing bikini tops. So someone CGI'd. They see like seriously for the TV version. Yeah. Wow. Uh, in Germany, the uncut version was shown in cinemas, but the video was withdrawn by the distributors to avoid uh, confiscation by the authorities. Holy smokes! So and I saw a cut version ex- exist in Germany, or I did it one time. I guess when it was on video. But now with the internet, you can get it fine. But that's interesting. That is fascinating to me. So the entire set was constructed particularly, uh, practically in an abandoned airport hangar in Van Nuys, California. Wow, that's a lot. I mean, that's a two-story set. That's right. a functional two-story. So everything in the movie, I think with the exception of the car crash, happens in one soundstage. Oh wow! Like even the diner stuff. Yeah, all the diner, everything. Unreal. On this giant soundstage that they did, the World War One stuff happened on a soundstage. Yep. In there, brilliant. The Jesus Christ stuff happens, and like it's in the yep. corner over here. Yeah, it's brilliant. They built this. The outside of it, they built, and then of course the inside, they built it all in one giant uh, air, uh, hangar. That's brilliant. So, and then the reason why they did that was. Um, the director felt that he did not want to tire his actors out by and his crew by doing all night shoots because it's a night movie. Yep. So they could black everything out. Yeah. Two problems. <laughs> One, incredibly hot. Oh, no joke. I imagine. Incredibly hot. Yeah. Two, there were birds in the rafters. Oh, and so snap. the birds would ruin sound takes. So that what they would do was they would start each shoot with a gunshot to the ceiling to scatter the birds. Unbelievable. And then they would shoot until the birds came back and then pause and then do it again. Unbelievable. Crazy. That's crazy. That's that's seriously a bizarre... That's like an Alabama production right. story. Uh, I will say they were blanks. So they didn't use real ammo, but they were, there was blanks. But enough sound doesn't shut them up and fly them out. But uh, So I thought that was cool. Here's the story about the story. So, unlike episodes of the HBO series, this story was not adapted from the pages of EC Comics. The first draft of the screenplay was written in 1987, oh. two years prior to the series' debut. It was first intended to be made by uh, film director Tom Holland, who, did, who was planning on doing his follow-up to Child's Play. Wow. Holland hired an FX team to do preliminary sketches, but it ultimately went to on to direct the box office bomb Fatal Beauty. Next, the script rounded, uh, wound up in the hands of Pumpkinhead screenwriter uh, Mark Carducci, who sat on it for several years before it was given to Pet Cemetery director Mary Lambert. Wow. Lambert had some radical ideas for the script, including casting an African-American as Breaker to create a theme that the, the oppressed people on Earth was also its saviors. Uh, once Lambert went on to direct Pet Cemetery 2, which was a theatrical bomb, she couldn't get people to invest in the film. Oh, what a shame. The script later went into Charles Brand's uh, Full Moon Productions, uh, uh, Full Moon Features hands, but budgetary constraints held up the production in limbo because it's uh, it's pricey for what it is, especially for a full moon budget. I'm glad Full Moon didn't make it. Oh yeah, they would have ruined it. 
Uh, I like Charles Brand's work. I love Full Moon. I like what they do. I know. I, I, they have, I'm 100%. Very, they're very specific, and they do great work for what they do, but right. this is not their film. No, this is definitely not. When it finally made its way into Desk of Joel Silver's Silver product, uh, Pictures, it was optioned to be the second in the trilogy of Tales from the Crypt theatrical spinoff. Universal Pictures executives thought the script had more potential than the other two films, Dead Easy and Body Count, neither of which were ultimately produced. Crazy. And the film was quickly sent to production with the tentative release date of Halloween 1994. The release, of course, then was pushed back to 95 for uh, Friday the 13th. At this point, there are two versions of the script were, were created to solve budgetary problems, one with demons and one without. In the later, the collector was a Bible salesman who was, uh, who was using a legion of followers, uh, follow, fellow Whoa. salesmen clad in black suits and sunglasses, later to be revealed to be demons as his minions. Uh, film called Demon Knight with, uh, with demons that look like killer yuppies made everyone nervous, so... Universal pitched in some additional money to get uh, some demons on the screen. They had the they had the writers. Um, I'm get back to my notes from their names because it didn't. So uh, um, Rife and Voris they had they had, had had them on set for a while, and I, being a writer, I understand this. Also, being as a movie guy, sometimes you just need to shut up. They just didn't shut up enough about stuff. You know, things have to be integrated to the script. Uh, bye bye. And so they got fired. Oh, of and, course. Um, uh, um, Mark Bishop came in to fix some things that they that they wouldn't wouldn't fix. Basically, what it come down to, you know, you know special effects stuff and stories to, to you know to make it more tales from the crypty. Right. And so that's why. He, but he he doesn't have a lot of screen credits anyway. So I don't know how he got involved. <laughs> it was, it's it, I think this is. His I biggest, saw that. I saw that when I was going thing. through it because you can see they're a writing team, and then you get to him, and he's like a he's just like a three, three credits. Three, yeah, three credits. Yeah. And yeah. so and I don't know how he got that job, but. In the end, it was a good script. So whatever he fixed, he fixed. Right and then I noticed they were all ampersand. So right. they 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 made it. They did not make it a public firing sort of scenario. Right. They made it look like, hey, we brought another guy that might have some great ideas to add to the script. Right, right. As opposed to yeah, like, yeah, and, and and the two were on. All three of them actually were on the um, documentary. They were separate, but <laughs> oh, interesting. But the when the two of them together, they were they didn't make it like it was a, a big deal. I mean. it's how it happens. I mean, no, it's reality. They, of course, they've had they, they had the script since '87, so you know, finally getting to make it after eight years, being kind of in limbo. And then, of be, course, now those guys are rolling because they did some uh, kung fu panda. Kung fu panda, like a kung fu panda. Good grief! So, what do you think the budget for the film was, or do you know? Uh, I don't. I'm going to say 25 million. 13 million. They filmed this on. Man, they did a good job. 13 million. They did a good job. Uh, opening weekend. What do you think it made? Oh, I think it did pretty well. It's probably budget plus, so I'd probably say about uh, eighteen million. Ten, really? Ten. It grossed overall twenty-one. Wow. Um, opening weekend. What do you think it ranked? Oh, uh, if total is ten, uh, probably fourth. Close third. Yeah. So our top five from that are Legends of the Vault, Higher Learning, Demon Knight, Dumb and Dumber, and Nobody's Fool. How many of those I wonder were released prior to like right part of the because some of them are some things sound like January films though like the holiday season are over these don't Dumb and Dumber was the fall was probably an Oscar run so it's probably it was probably released in December maybe so and Dumber Dumber was I think was released earlier that year and it's having because it had a it had a monster run itself it did it really did so um now this is a, I I looked up the yearly on this and and so. And it wasn't listed on box, um, box office mojo's yearly. It should have been, but I don't. I, I didn't see it on the list, hmm. so I I looked at what other things were ranking and how much money it made to, to total. So I ranked it twenty three. That's my unofficial ranking of 
it should have fit 23. Oh, nice. On the list. So, so do you know the top, the top, top five, five movies of 1995? Oh man. I don't know. I can't even guess. These are, this is the fun part of the show. Guess. <laughs> I, uh, I'm trying to think of what came out. Legends of the fall. No, that would have been 94 rolling over. Uh, Jurassic Park is 96. That's not right. No, Jurassic Park is 94, too. 94. Oh, no, 93. Jurassic Park is 93. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm hooked on 94 right now. Jeez, Manetti. I, do, I, I mean, I can't even... You ready? Yes. Number one film of 1995, Batman Forever. Oh, God, what a turd. Number number two, uh, Apollo 13. That's not bad. Number three, Toy Story. Oh, wow. I forgot Toy Story is that old. Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, is number four. Oh. Number five, I forgot this was a movie, and it was the fifth grossing movie of 1995, Casper. Oh, crap. Yeah, with uh, Christina Ricci. And Christina Ricci. Yeah. And My kids watched it at, 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 at Halloween this year. <laughs> so. That's mind-blowing to me. <laughs> that tells you what was wrong with the 90s. Garbage. <laughs> uh, 1995 brought us Braveheart. Heat, Casino. Okay. okay, those three are good. And your favorite movie, Cutthroat Island. Of course. <laughs> I like Cutthroat Island. It's going to be on the show, it damn it. We will, will. It will. It's got to be. But now, now you won't remember, but you now know the top five films. Yeah, but I'll remember Cutthroat Island came out in 1995. So I, we both like this movie. And we both, and this is part of the show where we kind of go, well, how would we make this different? Right. I don't know if I would make this different. Nope. I, I <laughs> thought about this the entire time watching and I was like, oh, I got a I, t- two options. One, I want a prequel. I want like a, an earlier tale that's that's not financially viable, uh, vi- viable because I'd want it to be the World War One guy's story right. uh, and then Billy Sadler at the end. But really, I think a sequel would be brilliant and I think it should open with Jada Pinkett Smith dying and her passing it on to the next person. And you literally... So that way you get the backstory very quickly, but it's just cutting into it aggressively. This movie is too good for Tales for the Crypt. I... I I think it could have stood on its own if it had the proper marketing with it. Oh, I totally agree. But... Um, so that being said... The flaw in this movie is the ending. Right. Giving us an idea that there would be more. Right. What this is prime for today right. is a series. A hundred percent. And I would lo- like I would I would watch a series of this because there's one key, you can do all kinds of stuff you want want from it. You you know, there's a whole mythos that you could build off this. That's not Part of the supernatural right. TV show right. world, just, well. you not, do, not Eric Kripke's world, right. right? You could just have a blast. With I 100 percent look. I'd love a series from it. it'd be a very good violent series. It'd be a very good HBO um, Shutter, right? Uh, somebody who's going to take a little bit of a risk on it, right? Um, because part of it really is you. You don't even have to. Here's the genius part: you could spend the if you want to do it crazy. I'd spend the first half of the season following the collector, where people don't know he's a villain. Oh yeah, you set it up that way, right? And then boom you do the reveal midway through or close to the end that hey the collector is actually the villain right and suddenly you're given a whole new perspective so it just it's a good hook in did you see did you see dark fate yet terminator i haven't seen it yet i don't want to spoil it for you it didn't bother me all right so spoiler alert for dark fate if you not if you're not if you've not watched dark fate pause here fast forward a minute 
it won't be there. In Dark Fate, there's the idea that Schwarzenegger wasn't the only Terminator sent to kill John Connor. Hmm. Which makes sense to me. Yep. Like at the same time, they the yep. since Skynet didn't know where he was, they just populated, and so that comes back to haunt Sarah later in the movie. And we're done with spoilers. <laughs> yeah. So that concept, why if you if you're gonna do our main character as a as the collector, there should be other collectors trying to get it too. So oh, you, absolutely, it gives him something. So you think, oh, yeah. There's a comp- there's a competition. Right, there's competition. But yeah, you're gonna sit on daddy's lap, you're gonna go sit on <laughs> Lucifer's lap, you gotta get all the right, way through. But, I love it. But we don't know we don't we think we think the dude is the the, the guardian the right. whole time because he's being chased by stuff and Right. You know, maybe he's got a decoy key or something. I don't know. That's that's how I kind of see it. I, I, I'm with you. I like, just would love to see the perspective shifted so that when when the reveal happens it's not that you feel betrayed. It's just that that's the craziness of like if you're going to make a statement where the the, I, the item itself carries the blood of Christ and right. it's a very religious sort of and not negative, but it's just that stuff means a lot, right? right. So or, or it has a lot of weight. So if you're going to play that game, flip the script on it. Like literally take us down a path that we, the devil, who's the easiest one to, I mean, it's easy to be in anything in life, whether right. you're religious or not. Bad is always easier than good. It's just the truth. And in the series, you too, you could, you know, like they did with Buffy and they did with Highlander. You can show us other timelines and oh, of course, other collectors and other. One hundred percent. I mean, we could see all kinds of stuff. We could do side storylines. One hundred percent. I mean, it's easy. This is made for television, and and it's the way they ended it. It was brilliant. I love how she gets on the bus and she blocks, she seals the door, the door of the bus, and so when the new collector shows up, he's, I'll take the next. That's great. Yeah, it's, it was it was gold. Brilliant. It was it's, absolute gold. And I had forgotten that that sequence was even going to happen. Like there was enough distance for me that that was a surprise, and right. yet another like, oh damn, mm-hmm. I love this. And again, everyone's brilliant in this. And I mean, one of the things that they kept saying in the um, documentary was like, why isn't why don't we have a sequel? I mean, the actors were all like, we would all do this again. Why? Don't we? Right. Billy Zane's like, of course, Billy Zane. This could be a vehicle for him. I mean, oh yeah, he'd do it. Oh yeah, certainly now. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to have him. I would love to have. I'd love to have William Sadler back doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love William Sadler. Uh, well, that's about all I got to say about Demon. Anything for else for you? No, no. I I just uh, you know a lot of times we have movies that are hit or misses like Nemesis, uh, terrible movie ever made, uh, worst. Still worse on our podcast. Still worse. It was great. That's good listens. Um, but. From that, there's also times where we, we revisit stuff. We dig up things that you may have forgotten about. This is one of those that I actually think, even if you don't want Shudder, it's worth the foe signing up for a week to go watch Demon Knight yeah, if yeah, you don't totally buy the DVD. It's, it's well worth or the Blu-ray, because I heard the Blu-ray looks fantastic. Right. Like, but or honestly, honestly, you can get this with Bordello for Blood, which I did, for like five bucks on amazon prime yeah i just ordered it worth the house it. and i have them both of them now so it's absolutely worth it because it was fun to experience it so uh i'm gonna table our, our demon night discussion now and, and and challenge you for something so Uh-oh. uh last week's episode of cult movie cantina we me and justina were talking and we we're doing uh, ask the cultist questions and you asked a question and wanted us to justify why oh, I was playing the, the change my mind meme. Yeah, the change change my mind. Why uh, tombstone is uh, why wider make wider better than tombstone basically, and I I made my response, and then Justina was like, "Well, why do you like Wyatt Earp?" And so we want you to do the reverse. <laughs> 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 change my mind on Tim Wyatt Earp. 
Well, the only thing going, the only thing that Wyatt Earp has going, for, I can't change your mind. It's a terrible movie. It's not good. The <laughs> see, only thing it has see, is Kasdan. This is what happens when you play. play. I know, but the only thing it has is it has Kasdan and 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 nobody's. It's not good. No, the only person good in it is Dennis Quaid, and he's not nearly good as uh, Val Kilmer. Yeah, Dennis but, Dennis Quaid is not. I think I think Dennis Quaid. <laughs> doing that i love dennis quaid would have been wonderful if tombstone doesn't exist but tombstone exists and tombstone's superior 100 percent. i mean val, dude, val kilmer so here's what i need i need i need val kilmer's character it's the same thing that we got from billy zane and demon knight to circle him back right right you right. have two people that took a role and were like watch me do my work. oh yeah and made it totally made it their own 100 percent theirs oh. and they weren't they weren't the great thing about both those roles is neither one of them Neither one of them were in a spot where they were being offset by another, a straight man, per se. Right. They were just two characters that this is how they were. Whereas the problem I have with Wyatt Earp is they, they, I always felt like they shoe, shoehorned Dentist Quaid in as, uh, as uh, oh my God. Doc Holliday. Thank you. As Doc Holliday versus Val Kilmer. It felt natural. So I can't change your mind. It's a crap movie. It's long. It's boring. It's long. It's like... It's boring. I mean, Tombstone's long too, but it's long in the right places. I mean, but Tombstone is a train wreck that for, somehow turned, like on paper, you read paper, about what happens. Oh yeah, to it. yeah, we talked a little bit about it on the podcast how like it changed directors and it's nuts. And it's, and secretly, Kurt Russell directed the whole film. And, right. And he actually came out publicly about that last week or only last year sometime. And so, because Kilmer has been saying it you know, on the con- the concert, so Michael Bean has been talking about that when they do the concert on the panels. Right. So it was going to come out sooner or later. Yep. And the so, cast is better in, in uh, Tombstone. Oh, though. the cast is a powerhouse. The, yeah. I, mean, I, I talked about this on, on um, uh, Colt. And also features Billy Zane. Well, we also Billy Zane's in it also, right. and he's good in it. <laughs> he's great. I think his name is not Billy. That's the other kid. I can't remember. Billy's his name. um uh, Jason Priestley. Yeah, Jason Priestley. I don't know what what his name was because what good. a cat. I mean, that movie really does have an amazing cast. Right. I mean, uh, we got not Val Kilmer, Kurt Russell. Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Oh, uh, Bill Paxton. Bill God Paxton. rest him. God rest Bill Paxton. M- Michael Bean in one of the best villain roles. Powers ever. Booth, right next to, to him. him. Um, so Powers Booth with Michael Bean as a combo. Right. That's the two best villains if, to me. They're like two of the best villains right. of all time. Oh, so good. Thomas Hayden Church is in this. And yeah, he is. We have. A- <laughs> good God, maybe Demon Knight's got a little bit deeper reach. When did when did uh, Tombstone come out? Uh, Ninety three. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, ninety three. So I mean, um, uh, Stephen, what's his name? Um, ah, he was in Avatar, and he's been in. A oh bunch. yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I see. He's his face. he's Ike. He's Ike clamping in this. He sure is, and he's de- and great. Oh, fantastic! That's like he's like you may get me before I turn your head into a canoe. He's like he's bluffing. No, no, Billy, Billy, he's gonna him kill me. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it makes me want to watch it again. Uh, so I I own it. I have it on um, streaming, so I watch it. I watch I watch it way too much. It's like at least four times a year. Oh, I it it's been on my list forever. Oh, so I mean, I it's so constantly good. in my top ten. And I would do it, but we we just released a podcast on. <laughs> no, no, I get it. <laughs> so. It's not. It's not a cantina. It's not. A, I mean, it's not a uh, cult movie though. Oh, it is, it a, is a cult movie. But it's I a cult just don't movie. know if it's a catacomb. Yeah, it's not a cat movie, but yeah. it's not, it's not a cat movie at all. But it's a, it's definitely a cult uh, cult movie, and uh, it's just fun. And the girls had fun watching it too. So, and we did it for um, the the mustache thing for um, Movember. Oh, nice. A couple of years ago. Um, update one update on the show. If uh, 
Stephanie raised $1,700 for her Movember campaign. Oh, fantastic. So go her. Well, that was our show. Yeah. <laughs> and there so, we are. Uh, we'll see you next. What are we, do you know what we're doing next? I really would like to parlay from Demon Knight to Judgment Knight. Do you? Okay, we'll do Judgment Have you Judgment. done? Have you watched Judgment Knight? In a I haven't while? seen Judgment Knight in a minute. I haven't seen it. Uh, so, I saw it once after I saw it in the so, theaters. So let me let me. That's Dennis Leary and Emilio Estevez in the RV, right? And Jeremy Piven. Jeremy Piven. So that's the RV movie. And Stephen Dorff. Okay. Okay. Yeah, in the, right, the, the RV. RV movie. Okay, yeah. I want to make sure. Here's what I don't remember. I, I saw it. I didn't see it in theaters, but I saw it when it came out. Like I guess on home video, either probably. Back when we, I think that was one of those things when we had crank satellite, you know, you had to crank the satellite to get yep. to the pay channel and yep. you'd call in the number. To, I think I'd rented it that way. Because, uh, but here's what I know about it the soundtrack awesome. is awesome, but b- because it, how it affects me is that uh, there's a song on there that's a duo between Cypress Hill and Pearl Jam. Yep. Yep. Yeah, boy. And so for me, it's Helmet and House of Pain. Right. Look at there. Yeah. Yeah. And then now, like, I, that soundtrack is good. Like, I, again, it's super nostalgic, but it's one of these weird soundtracks. Me and Jeff went back to it. A lot of it holds up. Cypress Hill's a little challenging just because his tone was right. so 90s, but musically it holds right. up. But then you have Sonic Youth, I think, in Cypress Hill again. Yeah, right. Like, they're on there twice. And you're like, Sonic Youth in a rap band? It's weird. But it works. But it works. It yeah. works. I mean, it's weirder than Eddie Vedder and Beyonce singing Redemption song. Yes. That's a thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we'll do uh, Judgment Night next, and so we'll stay tuned for that one. This is Scotty saying this is uh, our contribution to the multiverse. Go out and make yours. Kohas out. Thank you for listening to the Mobcast Network.